You're listening to Fundraising Illuminated, a podcast where development officers, advancement services professionals, and other fundraising leaders offer their views on subjects related to fundraising. I'm your host, Erin Lynch-Moran, a partner and co-founder of The Solus Group. We are a fundraising analytics and data modeling firm. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Please be sure to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. I'm here today talking to Ben Stork, the Assistant Vice President for Advancement Services at the University of Nebraska Foundation. Together, Ben and his team have transformed the way the foundation uses data, making it possible for them to answer questions they previously couldn't, and using it to make sure they're maximizing their opportunities to raise money. And while all that change is terrific, it's still change. In this episode, you'll hear how Ben and his team are navigating an environment where the availability and access to data is far greater than it ever was before. Thanks so much for joining us, Ben. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your team at UNF? My my name is Ben Stork. I'm currently the Assistant Vice President of Advancement Services here at the University of Nebraska Foundation. My current Advancement Services team is a team of about 40 people, and it encompasses IT, gift processing, biographical records, our reporting team, prospect management, and then our Ali CRM. That's that's a BlackBot CRM. We call it Ali. Ali stands for Alethea, the goddess of truth. We really wanted to create a a central CRM that could be the single source of truth is kind of how it started is how can we get all of this information to live in one place when it was living in lots of different places? We are still very much on that journey, even though we've been live with CRM for three and a half years now, but ultimately it is the single place. If you want to find information about advancement and alumni, our Ali CRM database is the place to go, which is ultimately what we're hoping, but we we now are working to gather more information and make it even more of a central place for everyone on campus to be able to find out information about our constituents, our alumni, our donors, all of that information. I love the emphasis on truth. I have had many conversations with people who are struggling with reporting. And one of the things that comes up is just this sense that you don't know what's true. If you don't have your reporting buttoned down, you might go to one person and get different numbers than if you go to a different person, you know, that kind of thing. So I just think that's really such a clever thing to call it. Yeah, well, wait until later when we talk about some of the issues of having data be, maybe not live, but having data be always representative of the previous day. So when you're looking at Tableau or looking at your reports, it's reporting today's new information not the information that was there five days ago. And it really gets difficult when you're wanting to say, well, what did we raise in December of 2020? Because that could change tomorrow based on transactions that we do today because a donor canceled a pledge or we found an error in something that we did. And so this moving target has caused its own share of new issues that that we've run into as well. And I can't say that I have a great solution to it, but it is a weird challenge that's, that's popped up since we've started using Tableau. Yeah, I've been there. It's uncomfortable when you're talking to somebody like a board member and having to explain why the campaign numbers are different. But yeah, people, people cancel pledges, you know, things happen. Yeah, it's especially hard when you say, oh yeah, it's supposed to do that. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> this is not a financial, you know, general ledger where you, you close it officially at the end of the month. That's not how we work. And right. it still boggles my mind a little bit that that's not how we work, but I totally understand it from the other side of things too. It sounds like you guys are on the way to really having a predominantly self-service environment if it's not there yet. Yeah, de- definitely on the way. And 
the reports that we're able to put out now are light years from where we were before. And there's a major culture shift in going from, I I call them static reports, where you you, you run a report, you print it, and then it sits on your desk for a month. And and Tableau and this modern style of reporting is not that. It's frankly the opposite of that. And it's it's much more of a report that you really do want to check daily because it could be telling you interesting information or information that you need to act upon. Yeah. When I started at that time, it was like you'd print out your monthly report. And then if somebody two weeks later said, where are you? You'd say, well, as of at the end of last month, it was literally just that was the information you were working off of until the next month. And now that just kind of blows my mind. Not only because you're having to wait a month for information, but you're also not able to engage with it. You can't ask questions like, oh, okay, so we're at this number now. Where were we this time last year? It's just a lot harder to explore the data in that way. Yeah, I see it as kind of the epitome of like a trailing indicator. The second you pull it, it's old. And so that's, I think, the true benefit of, of moving forward with, with a Tableau or even other platforms out there that do this, this stuff in really great ways. It allows you to keep up, understand what's going on, ask better questions. We've also started looking at doing a better job of tracking planned asks in the future and pinging our development staff when you know they had a planned ask that was supposed to be made December of 2020, and it wasn't made. And now we can actually ping them and say, hey, you had a million dollar ask you were planning on making in December. What happened? And you can start to understand some of the nuances of what's happening behind the scenes and make some predictions on what could happen in the future. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. This is one of the things that I think is interesting on the horizon is moving from data being something that reflects what has happened historically to data being something that can help prescribe next steps to you and your leadership. Are you guys feeling like you're getting on the precipice of that sort of reporting? I would say we're, we're hiking up the mountain. Uh, I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. But uh, we did some things. A lot of this credit I'm going to give to Brian Hastings, our CEO, as well as a bunch of people on our prospect management team who really helped implement all of this stuff. But going back, I think, six or seven years, we began this process that we call our goal setting process. And it really kind of kicked off our starting to look at leading indicators. And so every year we go through a process in June and July where our development staff really plan out all of their asks for the next fiscal year. And for those asks that they're planning to make, they put essentially a categorization on them, whether they think they're essentially likelihood indicators. I think there's three levels and it's like extremely likely, mildly likely, not very likely. Through that process, we have actually been able to fairly closely, I mean, within like five or 10% predict where we are going to end a year in terms of our committed fundraising. And we've also found that it's really fascinating. It's based on those development asks that we believe will take place. But then we also factor in things like, you know, what are the gifts we're expecting under $25,000? We kind of do some plug and play numbers there. And we make some predictions on some stuff that kind of fill in the gaps. And we've frankly been really good about hitting those numbers or coming very close to those numbers. And the fascinating thing about it is, in general, we've we've found that of the planned asks, only about 50% of those really end up coming in. And a lot of those end up being not necessarily abandoned, but pushed out to future years. However, There is a whole other group, like 50% of our major gifts were never even planned prior to the year that took place. And so we've 
been having some conversations around, okay, what's happening here? Is our development officers just kind of picking on the newest thing at their doorstep, or is it just that hard to predict it, or is it more activity begets activity? And I don't know that I really have an answer to any of that, but it's something that we're actively trying to figure out. I know Kathy Rauscher on our team has been working on some reporting to really help us dive into this goal-setting process even further and, and start to do some postmortems on each of our years to really understand what took place in the past. But that's not really something we've had the capability of even thinking about doing until we've gotten up and running with Tableau and, frankly, had the skills and the expertise to utilize Tableau to do it in a way that might actually work. So the goal-setting process really, I think, helped our organization to think about some of those leading indicators a little bit more than we previously had. I have a question for you about your internal clients. How have people adapted? Because it sounds like when you got to the foundation, people were used to being able to ask for something and then get it. How have people responded to the idea that they can get things themselves? It's still a work in progress. I, I, I still think we have too many ad hoc reports that are being done. And you know, one of the things that we've really tried to do is utilize our prospect management team, our boots on the ground. Um, we call them our PIM team, our prospect information managers. We've utilized our prospect management team to really help our development staff learn the tool and learn how to use the tool because Tableau is such a major shift. So they're hearing the issues that they're having. Not only that, but they're also hearing from development officers oh, you know what would make this report better if you did this? Or, you know what? We could use a report that looks like this. And I'm not saying that all of those are great ideas, but many of them are, or many of them are things that we should at least consider or think about. I don't believe that reports should ever solve 100% of what everyone needs a report to solve. If it's doing that, then your report is probably going to be overwhelming, or it's going to give you an output that's so big that you can never really utilize it or understand it. As you learn in Tableau, you also learn how to make things look cleaner and look smarter and your ability to create a better user interface increases. And so a lot of our reports that we put out early on did exactly what we wanted them to do, but they were harder to utilize. They were a little clunkier. And now we're starting to build reports that are much more user-friendly where there's tool tips that pop up and show you, oh, this is what this all means so that you don't have to expect the user to just know it off the top of their head. And you don't have to also expect a user to go through a 30-minute training to understand how to use a report. You can add in some features that can really point out, this is what this column means, this chart is telling you this, those kind of things, which is it's just been a really helpful step in our, in our own learning process. It just lowers the barriers to your end users in terms of how they're interacting with the reports and allows them to do it in just far more of a simplistic way. The other thing that I would, we kind of fell into this, but that I would recommend is we have a, one of our PIM team members, her name's Karen. She's frankly become our best tester and report whisperer. She is your best case scenario for what you would want an end user to be. She understands what all of our end users want from the system. She understands our data really well, and she understands kind of how to make it look nice and look pretty. And she's a great tester. And so she's able to go in and rip reports apart and say, oh, this is not doing what you think it's doing. And and all that kind of stuff. And so she has actually become, I'm almost going to call it our marketing team for our reporting. She has single-handedly worked to build some initial training videos just to get people used to how to navigate within Tableau, because there's a slight learning curve just to navigating and realizing that, oh, there's all these queries that I can select by hand. 
One of the things that I've noticed when you are able to implement strong analytics in an advancement environment, once you do that, you suddenly find that you have more time on your hands because a lot of your users who used to need to come through your department for everything are now only coming to you for a narrow list of needs. I think we went through this weird phase where it used to be our report writers had almost direct contact with the person they were actually writing the report for. So that was the old way. The person who wanted the report would ask the report writer, the report writer would have conversations with them back and forth, sometimes effectively, sometimes not effectively, and ultimately get them a report or multiple versions of the report that they wanted to accomplish what they needed. And we've now moved to this phase where there's far less of that. The person who actually wants the report is actually communicating with the report writer. And there's a lot more of it's going through a prospect manager and then it's going over to me and then it's going to. And so our reporting team has actually had this feeling that they are far more removed from the end users than they ever used to be. And we've started to realize that it's taking a little bit of a toll. Our report writers feel more disconnected from the end users, the things that they used to love about their job in terms of connecting with people and bringing their expertise on the data and the information in our system to help the end user think through what they're really wanting and what they're needing. A lot of that has changed. I'm not saying all of it's gone, but it's it's definitely been reduced from where it used to be. And so we are now in active conversations of, okay, how do we increase this connectivity? How do we continue to build rapport with our end users? How do we create a roadmap that we're transparent about on what reports we're working on, where we're going, making sure that our advancement team is on board with our next four reports that we're building for them. Whereas we had kind of been in this place where we were very new with Tableau, where we were just kind of, all right, let's catch up and build the stuff to get us caught up. And now that we're kind of caught up, we're starting to build the new fun stuff, but that new fun stuff, you need to make sure that it it aligns with what, what your business units are actually wanting to do. And so we're now starting to kind of turn that corner back again and trying to figure out ways, how can we have additional connections with our end users? How can we build that rapport? How can we get them even further involved in what we're doing, but not so involved that it's taking them more time? Ultimately, I would love this whole process to take less time from everyone involved so that everything just moves far more smoothly. Yeah. I just have to compliment you because I think every time I talk to you, not just on this podcast, you're clearly very thoughtful. And I I really admire the fact that you're thinking about the human impact of some of these changes, because I think people don't do that enough. And you really risk alienating people and giving them unnecessary job stress or job dissatisfaction when if you just, if you think about it, and try to make sure that people are not missing those aspects of their job that they used to love. There's a way to make things faster and easier for everyone without making them feel alienated. That's really great that you're doing that. I don't know if it's necessarily purposeful. It's just something that I I do. And I don't know if if you've explored any of the Gallup strengths. I think Relator is number two for me. I can see all the sides generally. And yeah, I may not agree with all the sides, but I, I can generally see why someone would think that way or why someone would believe that. And so I can kind of pick up on some of that. But at the same time, my team has been really picking up on this. And we've had some really honest conversations with just, we're heading in the right direction, but the team is suffering because they are, are losing some of that connectivity that they used to have. And I have a, a team that is, 
they're great. They're problem solvers. They love to be involved. They love to make our end users' lives better and easier. But over the last, oh, probably year and a half, two years, we've been so mired in, all right, let's get Tableau up and running and let's get the basic reports that we need in place that we've, we've just not been able to focus on that. And so we've had a lot of honest conversations among our team just about, okay, how can we get to this place again? Because that's the side of it that many of the people on the team really enjoy is that interconnectivity, that personalization, working with people that they've worked with, some of them for years. And especially during a pandemic, when we've all kind of disappeared into these little boxes on screens, it, it can just be very difficult to, to make that happen. So we're actively looking at kind of what we can do in the future. And I, I can't say that we're doing a great job of it yet, but we're, we're having a conversation where we're talking about it. And that's the first step. You have to be aware of a problem before you can figure out how to solve a problem. <laughs> yeah. And you also have to care, yeah. which is, <laughs> you know, I think you and I are, are similar managers. I'm not a manager anymore, but when I was, that was something that was, it, it matters. It matters if people are happy because people are the most valuable part of the organization and they will leave if you don't take the time to really think about those things. So I think it's, I think you're smart to do that. Yeah. This is probably a, a bad analogy, but I, I keep thinking of the, what is that? The milk commercials, happy cows produce better milk or whatever. And yeah. happy, employees, <laughs> happy employees produce better work. Yeah do a better job and genuinely care more about the, the organization and getting the things accomplished that we need to accomplish. And I realize that that's not always, it can't always, not everyone can always be happy all the time, but at the same right. time, doing the best we can to navigate all the nuances and all the politics that come into our worlds, I think is helpful. And, and sometimes it's just being honest that, look, I, I agree with you. This is crazy. I don't know what to do about it right now. We're in this yeah. weird phase of what we're working on and there's nothing we can do, but we can bond over both realizing that this is not what we want and that we want something. Mm -hmm. And it's very appropriate during a pandemic too, where we're all kind of in this no man's land of life. Yeah. Essentially. And I've had plenty of conversations with my team where it's just kind of like, are you guys okay? Can we all just agree that this is crazy and we're all here for each other and we all want each other to be successful, but somehow we got to figure out a way to get work done too. And yeah. Or do your best, but just recognizing that we're, we're kind of all in this and there's nothing we can do is sometimes better than, is actually a lot better than doing nothing. <laughs> yes. And it comes back to truth, right? The goddess of truth. What's her name? Uh, uh, Alethea. 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 Thank you. It comes back to just bottom line, telling the truth and acknowledging what's going on. Well, it's been so interesting talking to you. So thank you very much. It's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy working with, with Aaron Yu and Ron and Tim from the Solus Group. I think you all are wonderful. Frankly, we would not be where we are at today without your all's help. I mean, you all kind of showed us the way forward and we're standing on your shoulders, frankly, in what we're doing now. So so thank you all. Thank you. You're, you're too kind. And likewise, we love working with you guys. So thanks a lot. Yeah. There's so much we can learn from watching what Ben and his team are doing. Yes, they're spearheading great advancements on the analytics front, but they're also doing a good job about promoting honest communication. They're conscious of the impact that all of these changes are having on their colleagues and themselves. And they're thinking about ways they can strengthen relationships even though they no longer serve as the data gatekeepers. And they named their database Ali or Alithea after the goddess of truth. I love that. Truth-telling is ultimately what we're charged with whenever we deliver data. 
you for listening to Fundraising Illuminated. We hope you'll join us for more engaging conversations on development topics. This podcast is produced by the Solus Group, a proud Tableau partner and fundraising analytics firm. At Solus, we take the stress out of fundraising by helping our clients find their best prospects, manage their portfolios proactively, and make sure they take advantage of fundraising opportunities through the use of analytics tools. If you'd like to be a guest on Fundraising Illuminated, or if you'd like to share your thoughts on what our guests have to say, please visit our website at www.thesolusgroup.com and click on the link that says podcast. Thank you again for joining us and have a great rest of your day.